Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, everyone. My name is Manpreet and welcome to Through the Noise. Now, regular listeners would have probably noticed that this week's Through the Noise podcast is reaching you a day earlier than usual. Now, that's because those who are based in Singapore will know that tomorrow is a public holiday uh, in Singapore as citizens go to the polling stations to vote on their next president. Now, investors have also a lot to decide on this week uh, with markets digesting Fed Chair Powell's speech at Jackson Hole um, and balancing that against the economic data, with some, some of it suggesting a slowing of growth momentum. And of course, Chinese equity staging a bit of a rebound as authorities came up with more supportive measures. So to discuss all of this, uh, today we have Raymond Cheng, who's our Chief Investment Officer for North Asia, uh, to discuss these issues and more. So welcome, Raymond. Um, you know, Thanks for joining us today. So let's start with Jackson Hole. Uh, Powell's speech, uh, what did you take away as the key message when you balance that against the economic data? Thanks, Mifrit. Hi, everyone. Uh, Fed Chair Powell's speech at Jackson Hole highlighted a data-dependent approach. Now, he sounded hawkish on the one hand, acknowledging the job of taming inflation is not done. On the other hand, he cited the need to proceed carefully, balancing the risks of doing too much versus too little. Now, this is justified by resiliency in some data points contrasting with the recent downtrend in economic and inflation surprises, the broadening out of weakness from manufacturing to services, and recent signs of labor market softening. Now, in terms of economic updates, the U.S. released some data earlier in the week on job openings and consumer confidence both of which, by the way, came in weaker than expectations. In addition, the recent U.S. Senior Loan Office survey suggested a further tightening of lending standards. We also see a slowing in labor hours worked and average hourly earnings growth. The manufacturing PMI in the U.S. has already been in contraction. This weakness has started to spill over to the services sector, which has been the primary growth driver in the U.S., now, we note that the U.S. services PMI has fallen for the second consecutive month. Now, coupled with the depleting excess consumer savings, our recession checklist remains bearish. All this supports our higher for longer view on interest rate, that the Fed will likely keep Fed funds rates unchanged until year end at the 22-year high of 5.5%. Okay, thanks, Raymond. Um, so against that context, um, how would you sort of uh, see all of this impacting your view on fixed income? I mean, we've spoken before about uh, how we find the risk-reward attractive, but of course, given the last month or so, we have seen bond yields in the U.S. move higher. Yeah, many clients have been uh, quite concerned about the impact of the recent surge in yields um, uh, to the U.S. government bond prices. Now, we think uh, this is, in fact, a good time to average in to capitalize on the elevated yields and potential capital gains when global economic growth slows. Now, there are three key reasons behind this call. First, we see an attractive risk-reward profile as the current high yields uh, provide a buffer for total returns on government bonds. Second, this inflation remains on track, reducing the odds of further Fed rate hikes. Third, weakness in global manufacturing is spreading to services as discussed. So this reinforces our view that global central banks would be close to being done with rate hikes, if not already. Now, we assume a U.S. recession to occur in the first half of next year. 
As economic trends continue to worsen, we expect the U.S. 10-year government bond yield to retreat to 3.75 to 4% range in three months' time. This expected reversal in yields is positive for high-quality developed market government bonds and investment-grade corporate bonds. The U.S. 10-year government bond yield has historically peaked around the time the Fed funds rate peaked. Since we believe the Fed policy rate has peaked at 5.5%, we retain our overweight view on high-quality developed market government bonds. The credit is overvalued compared with government bonds in our view, given rising credit downgrades. We are underweight high-yield corporate bonds on the risk of widening credit spreads and growing corporate defaults. We continue to like Asia investment-grade U.S. dollar bonds. When we compare government bonds and equities, um, I will share that the spike in the 10-year U.S. bond yield has largely reflected the rally in real interest rates, which are the interest rates net of inflation, to about 1.9%. Now, that's near the pre-GFC, pre-global financial crisis average, of 2.1%. Now, as a result, we now have a disconnect between the U.S. government bonds that price in the 15-year high yield versus the U.S. equities, which still trade at close to 20 times P.E. Now, this is a similar equity valuation to the period of quantitative easing when real rates were mostly negative. This disconnect argues the case for government bonds over stocks. Okay, well, I'm glad you brought up the point on stocks because that's, I I think, the next sort of topic I want to talk about. Because if I focus on Chinese equities for a moment, uh, clearly, you know, a lot of turmoil, but we had a bit of a rebound recently, um, you know, following a policy announcement. What would you advise investors do with China equity exposure? Is it about greater focus or is it about broadening out the the Asia-Japan call? Yeah, right. The China equities were hit by a lot of negative news throughout the month, right? Including underwhelming July economic data points and mispayments by trust and property companies. The positive development of late was that since the past week, authorities have ramped up policy support. The policies so far have reversed some subdued stock market sentiment and allowed more individuals in China to tap the lower first-time buyer's mortgage rates. Now, um, from here on, we now look for more fiscal policy support to lift uh, job creation and ease the developers' funding limitations to ensure delivery of pre-sold properties. Now, after the recent policy-led rebound, we reiterate our neutral view on China equities. Now, this means that the optimal allocation of a moderately aggressive investment portfolio to China equities would be around 5 to 7%. Uh, we suggest uh, using this uh, time to tighten the holdings to focus on sectors that are aligned with government policy um, that would be industries such as consumer discretionary and communication, as well as exposures um, that have pricing power or cost leadership to overcome the deflationary trend. Now, broadly speaking, uh, we do advocate leaning to Asia. Um, regional diversification is key in our view. Um, India and Japan equities 
I invest under own, the risk reward uh, looks very interesting at current levels. Given upside potential to their already strong earnings growth profile, coupled with um, quite a few uh, structural drivers, for instance, demographic dividend in India and improved corporate governance in Japan as well. Okay, and then finally, I just wanted to roll this up uh, with uh, uh, you know talking about FX. So earlier, you'd mentioned that you know expected dollar rates to potentially stay higher for a little bit longer. Does that mean you're bullish on the U.S. dollar? Yeah, uh, quite the contrary. Um, one notable observation that we had in recent weeks was that although the ten-year U.S. yield has soared to a fifteen-year high, the U.S. dollar has stayed range-bound. Now, this signals market concerns about the long-term challenges facing the greenback. The looming budget deficits when tax revenues are plummeting is one of the headwinds. The other headwind against the dollar is the growing government bond issuances, with one trillion U.S. dollars to be issued this quarter, eight hundred billion dollars scheduled for the fourth quarter of this year, and two trillion U.S. dollars more for the year of 2024. But given this, we see a modestly lower dollar against major currencies in the near term. Now, the narrowing interest rate differential is one reason behind our weaker U.S. dollar view. While the euro area has seen downside economic surprises, inflation remains far above the central bank target. Hence, we expect one more ECB rate hike before year end, as opposed to a pause in the U.S. Now, this supports a stronger euro against the dollar. As for Japan, economic growth and inflation continue to stay elevated. This raises the chances for the BOJ to further relax its yield curve control. Now, the expected yen rise、uh, would be a notable risk、uh, to investors who are using or thinking of using、um, the yen as a funding currency. All right. No, thanks, Raymond,、um, for for that comment. And、uh, I think we're out of time, so we'll end it there. But if I can, as always, maybe summarize、uh, my top takeaways from this conversation today. I think the first point I I took away was that in the U.S., ten-year yields have have. Have undoubtedly risen,、uh, but we see a pretty attractive risk reward in in taking advantage of those yields today. Second is that as those rates peak, that of course can be quite interesting for equities.、Uh, Chinese equities, of course, under some pressure. The policy response is key, but actually is a good opportunity to either tighten to our preferred sectors or broaden out regionally、uh, to Japan and and Indian equities. And last but not least, actually,、uh, some of the macro trends in the U.S.、Uh, we see them as as headwinds for the U.S. dollar, but we'd of course be careful,、uh, particularly with the JPY when it comes to funding currencies. So thank you, Raymond,、uh, for taking the time to join us today.、Uh, thank you, listeners,、uh, for for、uh, joining us as well.、Uh, we'll end the podcast here. Please don't forget to check out our Global Market Outlook publication, and enjoy the weekend ahead. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details, visit Market Views on the Go on our website or click the link in the description.